Hi friends, just wanted to let you know that the following interview does contain some adult content, so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy! Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Welcome everyone to another edition of Nonprofit Lowdown with me, your host, Rhea Wong. So today my guest is actually my therapist, Holly Chambers. So Holly and I are going to talk about what it takes to stay happily married as an ED. And then I think we're also going to talk about other stuff because we are all at the time of taping, sitting on pins and needles, waiting for election results to come out. And in general, 2020 has been, let's just say, uh, not my favorite year. So welcome, Holly. Thank you. Thank you, Rhea. That's so funny. I wasn't sure if you were going to let everyone know I was your therapist. Yeah, why not? You know what? We have no secrets here on Nonprofit. No, no. Why not? Okay. Well, I know you wanted me to explain who I am. Talk about yeah, who I who am, are you, where I Holly? came from. I'm Holly Chambers. It's interesting enough, while working with Rhea, it turned out I worked in nonprofit. I worked for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation for about 15 years before I decided to switch careers. So I understand the nonprofit world, the grant writing world, the grant review programs and everything else when it comes to nonprofit. But my profession now is a couples therapist, counselor, intimacy coach. And yeah, Rhea and I have had some very interesting conversations. So she asked me to join her on her podcast. I mean, we're going to get into so many things. <laughs> it's going to be saucy, people. If you have children, cover their ears right now. But before we get into that, I mean, can we just talk in general? 2020, it has been a year, girl. So can mm. you tell me about, have you noticed an uptick in anxiety with folks that you're working with? And what are some of the ways that you help your clients or patients? I call them clients. Yeah. yeah. I don't clients. want them to think of being sick as a patient. So sure. I say clients. Yeah. So yes, anxiety. Anxiety has been high and I don't know if I shared this with you, but I work with clients all over the world. So I have clients in Dubai and Germany and Italy and the UK and of course here in the States and because of the pandemic, our licensing can cross state lines. That's how we got connected because you're in New York, I'm in Florida. And now I have a few clients in California. So working with people all over the world, not just in the US, anxiety is so high. Mm-hmm. So, so high. And right now it's super high, even all over the world. I've already talked to a client this morning from Germany who is like looking at his phone for the election results like every minute. I know. Germany. And he's from India. So it's just—it's like I know. this election is going to affect the entire world. So anxiety is very, very high when it comes to that. And also parts of the world is going on lockdown again. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that Europe is locking down again. So obviously we thought we were stressed before 2020 and then 2020 hit. It's just a dumpster fire of a year. What are you <laughs> recommending to your clients as far as anxiety oh, reduction, geez. anxiety management? I say be creative because even as a counselor, you can have anxiety, right? Situational anxiety. So for example, yesterday I was so anxious when I woke up in the morning mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. through the election that I went and played tennis with the wall. And then I went roller skating. 
So, I mean, just be creative with anything. I'm encouraging people to work on themselves right now. So I have mm-hmm. this whole self-love movement going on to kind of focus on the internal. Also, inner child healing, I'm doing that too with art therapy. So I'm saying try your best to be creative with whatever you do to manage your anxiety. But a lot of what I encourage is meditation, of course, the same things that all therapists tell you to do, meditate, journal, whatever, do all of those things. But if you have a partner, I would encourage you to practice some unique intimacy. You and what I do you mean by that? Are, are we talking about sex? I'm sorry if people need to cover their ears, but is that what we're talking about here? Well, it's not only sex. I talk a lot about how penetration is not intimacy. So you can be creative in that area when it comes to your partner. You don't have to have physical penetrative sex. You could be creative with some tantric, you know, heart to hand practices and massages, sensual massages. So I'll keep it a little clean just in case some kids are walking through. Wow. I mean, this is like new territory and nonprofit lowdown. So we're getting the (laughs) the real, real. Okay. But we're going to get deep into that, but just on like a different level, as you know, being a leader in this time is a lot, right? You're caring so much emotionally, mentally, physically, particularly if you're a parent and you have small children and all of a sudden you're a homeschool teacher and like, how did that happen? So I guess I'm just really wondering here, how do you help people who have very high pressure jobs really manage that and leave something for the rest of their personal lives? Because I can speak for myself, especially as a nonprofit, you're so passionate about your work, right? So it's very hard to leave it at the office. And now there, there is no office, like there is no separation of work and home. So I guess my question is, how do you help people with that? Because it feels like the day that never ends. It's just like Groundhog Day for the last six months. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that you ask that because I do have a few couples that I work with when it comes to that. And what I encourage couples to do is have a weekly Mm check-in, right? That weekly check-in entails, hey, what's going on with you? What do you need help with? What can I do for you to lessen the load? What is it that we can be doing better as a team? A lot of times though, I'm finding that in leaders, it's very uncomfortable talking about sex, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. So I'll have couples create these goals, better communication, resolving conflict better, and improve our intimacy. And then when we get to the goal of improving our intimacy, oh, can we hold off on talking about that? And sex just becomes like a chore. A good example, this high-powered accountant, leader, wonderful, great dad, great provider. He wakes his wife up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. and just have sex with her and leaves. Like, oh no, oh no, no, no. Right. And then that's it. And then I'll ask her, so, hey, was that fulfilling for you? What would you like to happen? Oh, I would like more sweet talk, you know, talking, communicating. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that right now. So when it comes to being in a leadership role, we cannot forget that we're a part of a marriage. Mm. Right? We cannot forget that in order to keep our partners happy, that we need to show them special attention. Mm -hmm. You -hmm. know, a hug, a kiss, hey, sitting and talking, indoor picnic, hey, Mm -hmm. a bedroom picnic, champagne, chocolate strawberries, very, very comfortable clothes or no clothes at all. 
we need to remember Ooh, to spicy in here, Holly. <laughs> My God, we getting warm. <laughs> we need to remember to include those things. We can't forget it. And right now, we need it more than ever. Right now, yeah. we really, really need it more. Okay, let's be real. We're living in some very unsexy times, right? Like when you have so much anxiety, when you're like worried about the election results, or you know what possible nuclear disaster might be around the corner. It's really hard to get in that mode of like, I feel like I want to be intimate right now because I'm literally just trying to get through my day. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, let's get into this again. Do we understand the health benefits of an orgasm? I mean, I guess we do, but also sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but the health benefits of an orgasm reduces stress. Uh huh. We forget about that. And I don't know, I have one of my favorite authors. I have a ton of favorite authors, Paolo Chalo. He wrote a book. Well, he's the author of The Alchemist. I may be saying his name. Oh, I thought it was always pronounced Paolo Coelho. It could be. I've said I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because he's also Portuguese and I always mess up these pronunciations. But he wrote The Alchemist. He also wrote a book called 11 Minutes. Mm -hmm. And 11 Minutes is the theory around sex just takes about 11 minutes. Mm. It takes about 11 minutes or less to have an orgasm. Hmm. So if you can't find 11 minutes in your day to attempt to relieve stress, Mm-hmm. in a pleasurable way, then mm-hmm. I think we have more of a problem. Okay. Okay. You've made a good argument, but I guess what I'm wondering about is, is it like kind of a fake it to make it kind of a situation? Because like, you know, I just feel like when people are under stress, it's like kind of basic Maslow's hierarchy. If you're really just stressed about money, some of us are stressed about our health, our finances, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Eh, I mean, we're not really feeling it. I don't know if I would call it fake it till you make it. I would call it setting the mood, Mm -hmm. right? Setting the mood. We all have a preference around having sex, right? Whether we're a morning person or we're an evening person or we're spontaneous or we like to be outdoors or any, like when it comes to our sexuality and sex, and a lot of times it's also very private, we all really have a preference. Mm-hmm. We do. But we allow stress to take over and not remember how pleasurable sex used to be. Mm-hmm. We let the stress win. Mm-hmm. So I know what you mean by you're just not in that mental state. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that could put you in that mental state? Some not living things. in 2020. That, that's a start. <laughs> That's a start. But what if this continues into 2021? I mean, I I mean, it's going to, but what if it continues throughout? Are we going to neglect ourselves? Are we going to not at least try to find some pleasure in all of this? I mean, you know, maybe. Let's talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Like, does it mean like scheduling time for intimacy? Does it mean like, what are the actual sort of actionable things that folks can do? The actionable things that folks can do is exactly what you said. Even though I find that a lot of couples feel like, oh, if we have to schedule it, then our relationship is falling or failing. That is Mm -hmm. not the case. Schedule it. What's wrong with scheduling it? Not saying stick to the schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. But at least try your best to schedule some intimate time. And that, and keep in mind that intimate time does not have to be penetration. 
Mm-hmm. It could just be sitting and having an intimate conversation. It could be a massage. It could be a glass of wine, watching a movie you both enjoy, holding hands and cuddling. Mm-hmm. Because that physical touch also helps with stress. So Mm -hmm. I encourage scheduling time, especially for busy professionals. You really Mm -hmm. do need to schedule the time. And you're right. You will probably have to set the mood as well. Now think about your five senses when you're setting the mood. Maybe a scented candle or maybe some aromatherapy. Think about physical touch, like what is soft, like some fuzzy pillows and Mm -hmm. maybe having a pillow, building a fort. One time I watched a movie in a tent. It was mm-hmm. so cute. It was like we just have to try our best to be creative in these times. And also smell, hearing, play some music, slow dance. When's the last time you slow dance with your husband? Mm, months. <laughs> months? That's not bad. Yeah. We shouldn't say years. So no, no. slow dancing, you're listening to music, you're touching each other and sight. Maybe you could dress up. That definitely sets the mood a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You could dress up. I used to date this guy and I was like so funny. I would ask him to wear Timberland boots and his boxer shorts and dance for me. You <laughs> have to be great. Why do we well, always like, have to be the strippers? I mean, <laughs> I, I feel you too. on this one. I feel you on this one. But what I really hear you saying is that it's important to carve out time for this, but it's also important to make your partner feel special because it is true. Like I think we can take people for granted, especially if we've been married for a while or we've been with our partners for a while. But especially when I don't think this is necessarily unique to nonprofit leaders, but like nonprofit leaders spend a lot of time taking care of other people, right? They take care of their staff, they take care of their board, they take care of the clients they're actually serving. So how would you recommend that leaders both first take care of themselves in order to be able to have, frankly, the emotional energy to be intimate? It does take like some energy to be like, okay, I'm going to set the mood tonight. I'm like, or I could sit in my pajamas and watch Netflix and go to bed. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that can be tough, especially now when it seems like our activities that brought us joy before we're no longer able to do, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're a little nervous about doing. For example, massage. I haven't gotten a massage in forever. And that was like my monthly routine. So Mm -hmm. those are certain self-care things that we can't go out and do or do Mm -hmm. for ourselves. However, we can ask our partner and we're not, we don't even think outside that box. That's part of self-care as well. You could ask your partner to give you those massages. You could also think about some other ways of self-care, that bubble bath, lighting some candles for yourself and taking a bubble bath and just being alone with yourself and your thoughts and playing some nice meditative music. That's something that you can do that doesn't involve anyone else. Reading a book for fun. I know in the nonprofit world, we read a lot, but we read for different reasons, Mm -hmm. reviewing grants, right? Or Mm -hmm. checking out some funding opportunities where we're reading all these other things that involve your work because you're so passionate about your work. How about read a fun book? Pick up 11 minutes, could be funny or read some erotica. Do something like that's fun for you, reading Mm -hmm a nice bubble bath, lighting some candles, being alone with yourself. Yes, those are some things. Talk to a counselor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another one, playing games. 
I love these the the games that are out now. Well, they've been out, but like these really intimate games. Have you ever played like Who's the Biggest Pervert with your husband? No. What? What is this? What podcast is this? What just happened here? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just playing fun games like that. Hey, I could even give you some ideas. I'll I'll send them to you. Like some intimate partner games. They have a ton of them online that you can order from Amazon. But that's also part of connection. I think when it comes to self-care, connection is so important. Mm-hmm. Like creating mm-hmm. that connection, having that person to lean on, just being connected because we're disconnected. We're looking at our phones, trying to figure out these election results. Right we're, right. we're researching ways to feel less stressed. We're burying ourselves in our work, mm-hmm. keep ourselves distracted. But let's try something fun. Go get some roller skates, order an erotic game to play with your partner, just anything. Why is vacation so fun? Because it's new and it mm-hmm. takes you out of the, the usual the routine. Okay, so I'm a total dork. And I'm like, okay, so if I want to work on intimacy with my partner or, you know, making sure that I'm making time, what are your thoughts about like having a strategic plan around that? (laughs) I think when it comes to busy people, you would do that for your business because you (laughs) want your business to be successful, right? Why would we not put that much emphasis on our relationships? Do we not want our relationship to be successful? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do we want to be single? No. Definitely don't want to be single during a pandemic. This is terrible. But think about that. We put so much power into success professionally. How are we not putting that much energy into our intimate partnerships Yeah, and our intimate relationships? Yep. I really like that. Okay. So hot tip for everyone, strategic plan your personal relationships. I like that. <laughs> schedule time with your partner like you schedule your meetings with your board chair. <laughs> Exactly. Hopefully not the same kind of meetings, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But I just have one more question for you, which is, I'm curious in your work with couples, why is it that you see high-powered couples drift apart, right? Every executive director I know has either like had a very serious crisis in their marriage or relationship or are divorced or single. And I'm just wondering, like, can you come up with some general ideas for how to avoid this problem? What I'm noticing is balance. There isn't balance. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it makes sense. First of all, living in the United States is expensive. It's a lot of times what you're putting your most energy into is being able to survive, right? Be able Mm -hmm. to live comfortably. So that energy goes into your work. It goes into your profession. And then it lacks in your personal life or in your intimate life. Really, all you need to do is figure out that balance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I like what you recommended or asked about a strategic plan. Why would you create a strategic plan for your profession and not for your intimate partnership? Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing I see in these relationships is balance. Is That's the challenge is balance and communication. And mm-hmm. part of the balance is including the communication. So mm-hmm. that weekly check-in to me is very important. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? How can I help? Hey, what are we doing for fun this week? That's really good. I'll tell you, Holly, I once tried to treat, not on purpose, but I, I accidentally treated my husband like an employee. 
we like checked in about something. I, like he did something that annoyed me. And I was like, hey, can I give you some feedback? And I told him the thing that annoyed me. And I was like, so moving forward, lost. He was like, don't ever say moving forward to me. I'm not your employee. And I was like, okay, fair. Okay. But here's the thing. But I, I think there's something about good management that also carries over to relationships, right? Like you do have to have regular check-ins. You do have to carve out time to connect. You do have to have a annual state of affairs kind of annual performance evaluations, shall we say? Exactly. Yes. I used to, to do that over dinner. Plans. Really? What did <laughs> yeah, you do? Yeah, like, my husband. I was like, was this a good year? That was like three. It was like every annual anniversary. I would say, was this a good year or was this a challenging year? <laughs> and we'd talk about it over dinner. It was like, well, okay, what could we have done better? And then there you go. I don't see anything wrong with that. Wouldn't you do that in a performance review? <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, right. I used to love giving performance reviews when I was working in nonprofit because it was always like a fun chat. Like it was always as if we were hanging out talking. It's like, okay, so cool. What are we going to do better next year? What are we going to do different? And it was like, oh, really? Yeah. So it's the same thing with your relationships. Why not? Why yeah, not performance funny. review it? Performance. All right, everyone, you heard it here first. Performance <laughs> review, your partner, maybe don't call it a performance review because that's a little that's a little extra, but the point is well taken, which is you do have to take stock. And yeah. I think goal setting is actually a really interesting idea because otherwise you could just drift your whole life and look up 20 years later and be like, what did we do together? Exactly. And it's interesting you said that because I do premarital counseling and mm-hmm. I always say marriage is a business. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It doesn't sound romantic at all. It is what it is. I say that all the time. It is the most important business decision you're ever going to make. Exactly. So if we don't go into it, romanticizing our business connection and our intimate connection, then you lose sight of what the whole point is, right? Setting goals. What is the goal? What Are we in alignment with what we want to accomplish as a married couple? What is it that other than being happy, what does that look like? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. create that picture and that vision for yourself. All right. Let me ask a different question because again, I don't want to be like too heteronormative about it. Please forgive me for those of you out there who are offended by my heteronormative take on this, but I have a lot of female friends that are executive directors or like high powered nonprofit executives. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like that stereotype of the high powered man whose career is really like intense, high pressure, and then he has a wife at home who sort of takes care of the things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering, do you think that the pressures on women who are married to men are different than the other way around? I think that that depends. It's subjective, right? Mm-hmm. I'm noticing these days with a lot of couples that I'm working with that if a woman is in a high-powered role, the man takes on a different role. Mm-hmm. I have this couple that I work with, he's a stay-at-home dad. She is a leader in what she does. And so they figured that out. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends, especially when you have children, right? Mm -hmm. When you have children. I sometimes see that if you don't have children, it's harder for you to come together for some weird reason. Oh, say more about that because I always assumed that having children actually made it harder to come together. Right, no. Having children makes you become a team. 
Mm. Us right. against the little midgets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, and I find it, that's something that I find is challenging that if there isn't something to bring you back to the hub, mm-hmm. then it's a little bit more difficult. So to answer your question about women and more pressure on women, I'm not sure. I think it depends on the situation. Okay. I think it depends on how you both are treating the business of your relationship. Mm, so true. Okay, I'm going to ask one last question about children, and then I'm going to open it up for questions. So when we think about the business of marriage, right, there are also children involved sometimes. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can walk us through similarly how you would counsel people to really be present parents, because essentially now people's children are also their coworkers because they're all in the same space. They're all in the same space, yeah. And there is no, I send them off to school and I see them at the end of the day. And, it, you know, I don't have children, but I have friends that have children and it just seems exhausting. Like, I'm just like, I don't know how you are functioning, doing your job and raising children and being a homeschool parent, basically. So walk me through that because that seems like... Wow. Well, I would say at the beginning of the pandemic, it was just panic. Mm -hmm. You just didn't know what the heck, regardless Mm -hmm. whether your whole world just shifted. So -hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic, I get it. It was chaos. But now, what are we like, eight months? What is this, seven, eight months in? This is ridiculous. What I'm encouraging parents to do is to try your best to have as much organization as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. This space is homeschooling. This space is shared fun time. This is what time we prepare lunch. This is what time we prepare dinner. This is what time you guys will go down. This is what time we'll have story time. It's like try your best to be as organized as possible because other than that, it's just going to be crazy. And I'm noticing that now that the parents are home mm-hmm. working, There also needs to be that specific workspace where you do not get disturbed. Mm -hmm. So So you're saying project manager children, which I'm also really into. (laughs) I'm into this. So takeaways here, you've got to strategic plan your relationship. (laughs) You've got to performance review your partner. You've got to set annual goals and you've got to project manage your children. I'm into it. I love it. Yes. Yes. All right, I'm going to open it up. Anyone who wants to jump into this conversation, because Holly and I could talk about this forever. Well, Joy, any thoughts that you want to add here? Yes. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to chat with you all today. Um, I was really feeling when Holly was talking about making time, right, and being intentional about making time. As a young fundraiser, um, a little over four years in the game, you know, I have goals, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm looked at as a leader, especially being a Black woman in fundraising in general, not just at Mm -hmm. my organization. And so, especially during this quarantine time, I'm on the internet, I'm finding these workshops, I'm signing up to be a part of these different collectives and being thrusted into leadership positions at work. And I love it, right? Because it's feeding my goals, my professional goals. And I'm engaged, right? Congratulations. (laughs) My fiance and 
He's great. He's super supportive. We've been together for over eight years and I love that he's so supportive of what I'm doing. But then I'm also like listening to the little person on my shoulder saying, all right, so how are we going to make some intentional time? How are we going to carve out some time to show him that I am still here? You know, we Mm -hmm. talk about it and there's no tension per se, but I see where I can do better, right? Also, I don't want it to seem like I overlook his support of me just as I support him, but like I know that there are things I can do better, like closing the laptop, or if he's talking to me, turning around in the chair to make eye contact. So in some ways, I feel a little relieved that it's not just me, but I'm also trying to be more intentional about being present in our relationship. Oh, that's such a good question, Joy. Holly, what do you think? I like the fact that you use communication as an example. Because that is one major part of keeping the intimacy open is showing your partner that you're listening, showing them that you are understanding. So that eye contact is very important. So good one. I would encourage you to follow through. <laughs> like We could tell ourselves these things all the time, but now we need to act on them. Once you notice a behavior, you could always change the behavior for the good. Because I say to myself, I say, boo, I see you and I see me too, because I do see him and I also see myself as well. But there's more to just seeing, (laughs) like how are we actively being present? So I appreciate the conversation. This is great. Y'all are hilarious. This is good. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Joy. We didn't even talk about the other thing we were going to talk about. So this all kicked off because you were talking about throuples. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What? I don't even know if you want to talk about that in this (laughs) pandemic era, but say more about that because that really piqued my curiosity. Wait, what are you talking about, Holly? I know that was such a great conversation too, because it's real. There are different kinds of relationships out there in the world. And we were talking about polyamory Mm -hmm. and how polyamory is when you have multiple relationships with people, intimate relationships. And we were talking about my podcast interview with someone and she was in a throuple. She had her husband, but she also had her girlfriend and they decided to move the girlfriend in. But it was a solo throuple, meaning that she was the only person that slept with the her girlfriend. Like her husband did not share the girlfriend. So it was like she's in the middle and she has these two relationships okay. going on. Okay. All right. So this podcast just took a hard left here. But I want to talk about this because I'm like, that's interesting. I can barely deal with myself. I don't know how I would deal with like two other partners at the same time, but why would people have a throuple? Like what's the motivation there? Good question. Well, it seems in this particular situation that they were swingers before. And then I know it's a whole new world. Oh Rhea, my God. I, this is a definitely a first on nonprofit loading. We are breaking some ground here. Please continue. Whole new world. Well, and it seems that you make these connections, right? And you fall in love with people. And she fell in love with this person. Her husband fell in love with her for different reasons. It's wonderful friendship. It just worked and it just worked for them. They are together for about eight years that way. They, they referred to themselves as family. So it's just whatever works for you. But we were talking about that too because I was saying, hey, 
reimagine if you brought another woman into your marriage, then none of this will be a problem. Your intimacy wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> You'll get to share. <laughs> you no. get to share the responsibility. <laughs> Girl, listen, that's a whole other conversation. But I will say, I was reading on Medium. It was a high-powered woman who was like, you know what? The best thing I ever did for my career was I got a wife. And, and she was straight. But basically, she was saying that like she had this woman who was on her payroll who basically acted like a wife, who was like taking care of the kids, cooking dinner, making sure mm-hmm. the house is clean, all the things. And she was like, this is the best thing I've ever done, right? And so I, I do feel like, again, very heteronormative, which is to say that like my husband is also very excited to be a house husband. So he's like, well, you got to make enough money so I can be a house husband. I'm like, no, 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 no. I did not sign up for that. But anyway, that's a separate issue. But I think there is something about that it's hard if both people are like very high powered, career focused, like who's really kind of home tending the home fires. So maybe in that case, a thruple would be great if you had a third person who could really like make the home life go. Right. I'm a counselor. I'm a therapist. I love hearing about all of this stuff. Like no judgment whatsoever. I just think it's wonderful if it works for you. Yeah. If it works for you, it works. I think it's great. But yeah, that could be a solution. I don't know about how you feel about it. Okay. Depending on how you feel about monogamy, getting a wife to take care of all those things in the house, not sure what that means or what that looks like mm-hmm. when it comes to your marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. So you bring another woman in. Or a man, you know. Or man, right? A manny. Everyone's a manny. <laughs> exactly. So if you do any of that, keep in mind what that you gotta set boundaries and you have to understand what that means for your relationship. Wow, this is like gone a totally different direction <laughs> than I thought it was going to go. But I think the point still stands, which is you have to find what works for you. Yes. And what works for you may not always be the traditional monogamy, you know, one-to-one partner situation, right? There are all kinds of ways to make things work, I suppose. Yes. Listen, it's 2020. We're all just going to do what we're going to do, people. You just got to survive. <laughs> exactly. All right. Any other comments before we get we sign off? Because this has been a very elucidating conversation. I'm just going to be doing a lot of research right now, but mostly I'm going to project manage my husband. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's like, I'm not quite sure how this, you know, when it comes to the nonprofit world, what all of this can mean, except try your best to balance out your passion for your work and passion for your intimate partnership. Right. We have one more question here. So we're going to get to this last question before we sign off. Joy, go ahead. I think to your comment, Holly, about how it relates to the nonprofit world, the first thing that comes to my mind, um, and maybe this is just my network and people that I know, people underestimate how much work goes into the nonprofit realm. And Therefore, kind of, what are you doing anyway? Like, you know, packing sandwiches or whatever the case may be, or just asking people for money. But it's a lot, you know, it's very taxing in a lot of ways, obviously, relationship wise as well. And so I think it's important for people to just know that just as stressful as like an accounting position can be, the nonprofit world can be that way as well. So like, let's not be so quick to undercut the amount of energy that it takes and the effort it takes to do this work. Because if we don't do it, 
I don't know who else is going to do it, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I also feel like it takes a very special person to do this kind of work. So I just want to share that. Yeah. And Joy, that's such a good point because for so many of us in the sector, the work that we do isn't a job. It is a calling. It's really deep for us. And so it can be hard to create boundaries. It's true. What we do is really, really important. Like we're educating children and cleaning the environment and making people have healthcare and stuff like really important stuff. And it's also really important to save time for yourself. All right. I'm going to call Michael as our last commenter question person. And then we're going to sign off because I mean, we could just keep going. <laughs> this is like become love line all of a sudden, which I find to be fascinating. Michael, what are you thinking, my friend? Making eye contact with all of you all and practicing it after this. I appreciate the space and this topic was really important. One of my questions is I'm figuring out actively how to balance like the patriarchy basically that I think is building up in my partnership, in my marriage as being an ED, right? And feeling a sense of leadership, but so much of the time in like the work-life balance that can manifest itself in things that I'm like, whoa, that might be like a little toxic. Whoa, that might be a little like too much. And so I'm just thinking about like, how do you check yourself from preventing your job, even your vocation driven for your job being like the most important thing and keeping in mind that it's not just work-life balance, but all the other values that it takes work to hold that up in our networks and relationships too. Because I think EDs have a strong sense of like, yeah, we're all in this together and you know, I'm here to build you up, but there's leadership, right? And so leadership is going to be, I'm the person of last resort. I'm the lender of last resort, you know, like, and you can't have that savior kind of thing and want to create those colonial or like patriarchal kind of behaviors, but they can be in a nonprofit industrial complex. It can be very hard to get away from. And then they manifest in your relationships with people and uh, particularly your significant others. So without rambling more, any thoughts or reflections about how maybe you've seen that play out or strategies to kind of grounding and level set? You know, I would appreciate that. I'm listening. I think Rhea made a very good point of the four takeaways, right? What's wrong with meshing what you do on a daily basis into your relationship? It's just how you do it, doing it in a humane and empathetic way, right? So you got the balance, work-life balance. You also need to check in with yourself. Like what is a routine that you do for yourself in the morning? Right. I have this daily routine, but before I even put my feet on the floor, I think of five things I'm grateful for. Right. And then what do you do after that? Tony Robbins also gave this great advice on checking in with yourself in the morning, saying if you can't give yourself 10 minutes to breathe, listen to some music and think about gratitude, then you have a bigger problem. So, Michael, I would recommend checking in with yourself because a lot of times with the especially in the nonprofit world thank you joy for saying what you said you are so right when it comes to nonprofit being the hardest of work because my profession profession is social work so it's like the same thing you're just doing i mean it is hard and a fundraiser you also got to deal with rejection that's mental health right there too so this all of this encompasses what you guys do and it's amazing work what you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I 
don't miss it. So <laughs> no offense, but it's great. But we have to learn how to check in with ourselves. That 10 minutes in the morning to check in with yourself, maybe meditate, maybe journal, maybe definitely breathe, take those deep breathing exercises and just check in with yourself. And I don't see anything wrong with the four things that you said, Rhea. You got a, a strategic plan, your relationship, you do your performance management, you do your annual goal setting and you got to project manage your children. <laughs> Exactly. Or, that is, or your partner. I, I'll project manage my partner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Project manage your partner and your doggy. <laughs> <laughs> so those things just make sense. Like check in with yourself and there's nothing wrong with what you do on a daily basis bleeding into your intimate partnerships and the business of marriage. Yeah. But you know, I think you bring up a good point too, Holly, because I think we really take our relationships for granted because no one ever talks about what happens after happily ever after, right? You're like, okay, we're in a relationship. We got married, whatever it may be. But we never actually in our society talk about how much work is actually involved in maintaining a healthy relationship. And so like anything else, you are where your attention is. And so if you don't pay attention to the health of your relationship, if you're not actively strategizing what you're trying to do together, where you're trying to go, then no wonder you get set adrift, right? Like if you're not making a plan, like we want to go to like, say you want to go to South Africa, but you decide to get on a plane to California. Well, don't be surprised when you end up in California, right? So anywho, Holly, this has been so great. Definitely breaking some new ground on Nonprofit Lowdown. Where can folks find you if they want to talk with you more, if they're interested in maybe getting your services? Where oh, are you on the interwebs? Awesome. I have my website, Holly S. Chambers, H-O-L-L-I-E-S, Chambers, C-H-A-M-B-E-R-S, dot U-S. I'm on Facebook under Insight Coaching and Counseling. And Instagram on Holly's Yellow Couch. So Holly's Yellow Couch. I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll make sure to put all of your information in the show notes for folks who are listening to this on the podcast. But Holly, thank you so much. This has been thank very you. educational. <laughs> you thank know, you for I, having me. <laughs> you and I should maybe start a cottage business, you know, annual strategic planning, your, your partner. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm going to update I think my there's a business plan in there. Seriously. I think so too. <laughs> We, should, we should. We should. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Good luck. Make sure to breathe. Do something nice for yourself and for your partner. And we'll see you next week. 